Welcome back to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. I am Casey Likes from Almost Famous the Musical. And today from Stand Upville, we have... <laughs> uh, my name is Christian Finnegan, and I am a professional humorist, <laughs> which is a funny way of saying uh, not that funny of a comedian. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, done some TV and stuff. I have four albums on iTunes. My latest album is called 60% joking. Please buy it or stream it. If you want to be a cheapskate. (laughs) Thank you so much, Christian, for uh, jumping in here. And I think, I think our connection, uh, uh, Paul Sully Sullivan, uh, he, uh, he indicated, I think you're pretty, pretty big fan of the movie. And that's why he thought it'd be, it makes sense for you to come on. I am, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was a Cameron Crow fan uh, from b- way before that. I mean, I was a Say Anything fan, and obviously I was a Fast Time at Ridgemont High fan. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a thing about Cameron Crow. The thing that people mock him for uh-huh. is the thing that I kind of like, that sort of bittersweet, happy, mm-hmm. sad thing that he does. <laughs> uh, I'm a sucker for that, you know, uh, the White's brothers too kind of have that same like movies like in good company have that sort of vibe. Um, but yeah, and, and I'm a music dork and every sort of musical touchstone that is mentioned in this movie is <laughs> something that I care about. So it felt when almost famous came out, like it, this was a movie being made specifically for my benefit, which I appreciate it. That's very cool. And yeah. And, and, uh, and like, like, like I've already, like we've already heard, uh, Casey is, is back, uh, like I said, for as a kind of unofficial, no responsibility co-host. And I really appreciate that. We had a great minute last time with, uh, with David really doing, doing really well. No, no pressure, Casey <laughs> doing really well as a co-host and <laughs> getting some great, great, I questions. Follow up my great, act. great questions for you, I think. <laughs> Right. But we're not. Well, I think I, I think I would say that I've put in the years to become this co-host position. <laughs> yep. um, really, I really put in the work. I'm really I'm really happy I've made it this far. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so uh, today is minute sixty nine, and it starts with Ben offering a thousand more words, and ends with William taking the laundry. It's really difficult for me as a comedian to not make a minute 69 joke, but I'm going (laughs) to forego it because we are professionals and adults. We did talk about this last time. After the deflowering scene. Let's just say this podcast is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Any (laughs) hoozle. Sorry, as you were. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're hearing right off the bat, you know, uh, Ben continuing his, uh, his uh, you know, enticement kind of maybe to, to William. Uh, you know, he's going to try and get William a thousand more words. So, and we previously know, I mean, unless he, unless there may have been, may have been a time in between where a deleted scene, but I mean, I've, I've been covering the deleted scenes pretty well, um, too, uh, that there are end up on the untitled cut which which uh, i don't know if either of you are 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 familiar enough i mean i christian Mm. i think you might be i I really am not actually surprisingly it's an additional 42 minutes yeah see i have a thing yeah i I have a general rule i don't want to hear unreleased tracks i don't want to see extended versions of movies I am mm-hmm. opposed to them in theory because my feeling is if the artist or the director or the band or whatever wanted them to be released a certain way, then they would have. And I know that obviously sometimes there can be studio interference yeah. and things like that. But I mean, I'm not saying I'm like vehemently against it, but I, you know, when there are posthumous albums released or, you know, the director's cuts of movies, like I, I'm not so much interested. I, I, I like, I like sort of singular versions of pieces of art. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sometimes I feel like those sort of, uh, extended releases can be a bit of a, a, a wormhole and can kind of diminish the impact of a piece of art. But mm. that's just my silly little opinion. Yeah. Well, let, let me let me entice you a little bit because what I'll you know I'm saying this 42 extra minutes, and that doesn't even include a, like a, a, a almost a, almost about 12 minute scene with uh, Stairway to Heaven being played in full. <laughs> <laughs> really? You know? Yeah. So and Williams, you know, trying to. Uh, make sure his mother lets him do this now i do wonder did was that edit was that cut out because cameron crow decided it didn't work in the movie or did led zeppelin say right. give us 10 million dollars 
I don't know about 10 million, but uh, yeah, it was, yeah, <laughs> that, was notorious... the, that was the one track, you know, that they didn't want used. But also, you know, they, though, it's like, yeah, they, I mean, yeah, yeah, Misty Mountain Hop, I know, is, is in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, obviously, they did get some clearance from Led Zeppelin, but they're notorious in terms of, you know, cracking down on yeah. YouTube clips and, you know, uh, their, their blockers big mm-hmm. time. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if the, the price tag on Stairway to Heaven made it a little cost prohibitive. But, you know, the untitled version, it's called, it's not even called really Almost Famous, although there are places that list it as Almost Famous, the bootleg cut or what have you. But mm-hmm. and, and that, that was that, that and that's the title he wanted for the movie as well. It was, it was untitled. Um, but the reason it exists the, the, and the footage was shot was because uh, Crow showed uh steven spielberg the script and spielberg said you know shoot every line of this Hmm. don't don't you know even though it'll get cut down for you know theatrical purposes to be a reasonable length right you know you're, you're you're gonna be disappointed later on if you don't shoot every every minute yeah now now i guess i i've already gone back on yeah. my yeah now i want to go watch it (laughs) yeah you you really should and and you know a big reason for me not to is i mean you know it was length and and the the one other movie i've done this way is Watchmen, and we did choose my co-host and i there did choose the the middle of the three (laughs) different possibilities the the uh, director's cut i mean if you if you were to watch every minute of a Zack snyder movie that Zack snyder wanted included (laughs) you'd still be watching it now and it would just be 14 hours of slow motion That's right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Can't argue. Can't argue. I, I, lo- I love that movie, but and, and most of his others. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, uh, I will. How, how, where is that available? Is it, is it something you can stream or do you have to buy like a bootleg DVD somewhere? No, no. Uh, it came officially out, came out officially. On, uh, I got it on Blu-ray off of Amazon. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 I'll have to track that down. So so then Ben says it's it's in consideration for the cover, you know, and this is where I'm talking about Rolling Stone magazine. Some people like that I have had come in, <laughs> um, like my former co-host a couple of weeks ago um, from Watchmen Minute. He, he still hasn't seen this whole movie. <laughs> he's just come <laughs> in for a few minutes here, here or there um, when I've asked him. And he's been real, real great about doing that. But, um, you know, uh, you know, and he previously wrote, and that's why I was kind of getting out a little bit before, too, is, is he previously wrote for Lester Bangs a thousand words. And as far as we know, 3,000 words was what this article is supposed to be. And so now, supposedly, unless there was other more previous, you know, uh, increases in the number of words, this is now a 4,000, so a third more. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and I don't, I don't, if you, I don't know if you want to recount the entire minute or if I should just jump in. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, we can jump around. That's well, I, go. you know, obviously everybody knows, anybody who cares about this movie knows that it's loosely based on Cameron Crowe's actual mm-hmm. teenage experience. But sometimes I feel like that whole based on my real life or based on a true story <laughs> can be a bit of a <laughs> uh, a cover for some unrealistic <laughs> sort of yeah. things. I I seriously doubt that his very first story sight unseen for Rolling Stone <laughs> was offered the cover. Like, That's and I cool. get it. it. It it creates a dramatic arc. You have to, oh, yeah. I, I don't expect movies to be quote unquote, like picture realistic, <laughs> but the idea that, you know, whatever, a few weeks after they had a phone conversation with some guy that they'd never met in person, never, he had never written for them before that they would all of a sudden just dump. Oh, by the way, we're going to put you on the cover of Rolling Stone. Like, no responsible business would work like that. Well, I, I actually have an I have an answer to this one. Um, oh, please! Because I had to. Uh, I had these are the questions I have to ask as yeah. playing William. Um, and uh, and yeah, you're you're right. Um, unless I uh, unless I heard it wrong, his his first story for Rolling Stone was not about uh, was not on the cover. However, uh, getting on the cover was his dream. Um, as a writer and, and that's a whole different story for another day about, you know, when, when he achieved that dream, he was like, oh, well, I guess I'll make movies now, but that's, that's <laughs> that basically, I mean, it's, it's so funny. Wow. Um, it's so funny, but the, the reason he put it in this and it had to be the cover in this is because, um, 
the dream kept advancing. It was, uh, it was a first um, that he just wanted to write for Rolling Stone. And then the next dream was that he um, wanted to write a, a feature for Rolling Stone. And then, and then the next dream was that he wanted to cover. And then the next dream after that was he wanted to cover with his name on it. So all of those dreams are represented in this movie in as one story. They just keep sure. advancing. So instead of him like getting new jobs that advance that dream, it is it is the same job that just keep changing the importance of it. Yeah, I, I get it from a dramatic arc perspective. Like you, you know, you want to heighten the stakes to a you know uh, that sort of moves the action forward. But it does like there's nothing in any of the conversations between William and Ben Vong Torres that would lead any responsible editor to be like, you know what? I'm going to put this guy on the cover. You know what I mean? Like based on these cream magazine articles, that's the only work uh, ostensibly that they have read of his, these little short articles, like, you know, as William says, like I've only, I've never written more than a, yeah. you know, a few hundred words or a thousand words. Like that is all, that's a bit of a logical leap to assume that Rolling Stone magazine would be like, Oh yeah, we're going to completely stake our credibility on this dude. We've <laughs> never met and has never written anything that we yeah, know. It's a, over it's, a, it's a leap, but you know, also I think, I guess if you were to ever ask anyone about it, I guess the, the explanation might be that, that fever dog was blowing up so big yeah, at the okay. time of it that it was like, I mean, yeah, a very, very big leap and probably not very professional or smart as they learn, especially at the end. Yeah. Um, when right. they realize he's a fucking kid, but um, they definitely, it's like, it's like he's the only kid out there with Stillwater right now. He's the only person right. that can possibly get a Russell Hammond interview. But it feels to me like if they were going to, if they made the determination, like, hey, you know what? We want Stillwater on the cover. That's the point where it have been like, hey, buddy, thanks, but we're sending in one of the pros now. <laughs> you know Maybe, what I mean? Yeah, like, right, right. <laughs> yeah. like they could have sent one of their guys to meet up with them in New York. When when they get when Stillwater gets to New York, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe Greenville, maybe not. But you know, uh, <laughs> later on the tour, I'm sure they probably could have sent one of the uh, you know Hunter S. Thompson or whoever the other big guns were. I don't think Hunter S. Thompson ever wrote about music, but um, there there so there is the idea. I think that though that uh, you know the the one the the one thing that really seems to grab Ben is the 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 think piece line <laughs> so i mean you know and that's that yeah that i certainly agree that that is i mean he, he got so turned on by that just like lester said he would <laughs> essentially yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so and obviously so, yeah, it's a, that's a bit of an inside slam you know among yeah. journalists i'm sure you know it's like here's a dumb you know and anybody who's on twitter who follows a lot of journalists on twitter you see not necessarily yeah. the word think piece but you know you see, long read you know you see these terms that they throw around almost like mocking their own profession that you know uh, so i i always kind of like that you know the think piece idea as being like oh that'll get them but <laughs> but this dude uh terry chen the guy who yeah. played uh ben fong torres a quintessential that guy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of those guys where you've seen and and I, and it's funny because I I was a big fan of that that show The Expanse. I mean, I guess it's still I guess it's still on. I think it, it moved to Amazon or it moved to uh, anyway. But he's on The Expanse, and it was one of those things where I never put the two together that they were the same guy. But you know, uh, every time I, I watch Almost Famous, I'm like, who is that dude? Like, why do I know that guy's <laughs> face? And then I finally put it together a couple weeks ago. Not the best story. <laughs> That's interesting, though. There's a lot of people that just like went off into different paths after this one. You know, like even, um, God, what's his name? Eric Stone. Yeah, I don't Stone Street from Modern Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's the uh, he's the yeah he's the desk attendant at the hotel, yeah, right? Yeah, him Big him and Nick Swardson, I think, are the two that <laughs> kind of stand out, and they're both hotel lobby related. <laughs> and he and he's coming up being the uh, just a couple minutes, I think, uh, the Bowie fan. Two or three minutes away. A little bit, a little bit of a tease. <laughs> it's Bowie. <laughs> Um, so, and, and Ben ends his, his bit of dialogue here with the word crazy and William likes to repeat it. Yeah. yeah and that, that, again, that felt a little 
it felt a little overt, like the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Crazy. It's like, all right, we get it. As an audience member, this is an important moment. I understand. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is that there's nothing I enjoy more than insulting and mocking the movies that I love the most. Because I, I, I love, I've probably seen this movie 70 times okay. and I can find something negative to say about almost every moment. But that's more a me thing. Interesting. <laughs> Man, it's crazy that, well, I don't mean to be, I, I just said crazy. That's not what I meant at all. But, um, You're taken with the spirit of Ben Fong Torres? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very taken. Um, it's those things like that that are um, so so random and and so, uh, I, I don't know. So he, he says crazy so much that it's it's almost like begging for, uh, an iconic moment, you know, like, it's like, I can't, um, I can't tell you how many people say crazy. It's, it's like people say crazy to me after the show or they say, um, you know, obviously the obvious it's all happening and, and yeah. so many other quotes, but it's like crazy is said just enough times in this script to where it, it sticks with people after the movie's over, you know, just yeah. enough. I mean, if, it was, if it was just a little bit over, maybe a little obnoxious. If it was a little under, it wouldn't be as iconic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly this is something that that I guess Ben Fong Torres must have said on a regular basis, and, and I'm sure for amongst the people who saw the movie that you know had history with Rolling Stone, I'm sure that was like a really awesome moment for them to be like, "Oh my God, that's totally what he says," you know. Right. Um, <laughs> but. But yeah, it's just the, the the fact that he repeats the cover of Rolling Stone magazine that that's just it's just to me it's a little too on the nose. Like, yes, we get it. This is a big deal. <laughs> but uh, the, I did a little uh, reading, just you know, uh, Wikipediaing of uh, Ben Fong Torres. I, I don't know if you guys have discussed this or not, but that his father came to America from China and posed as Filipino to avoid the Chinese Exclusion mm. Act. That. He's, what? He a, yeah, that he was a he was a Chinese man. His father, a full one hundred percent Chinese, but because the Chinese Exclusion Act was in effect at the time, he he came over and he called himself Ricardo Torres, uh, mm. and posed as Filipino as a way to to avoid it. And so that then uh, later, once they were settled in uh, San Francisco or the you know Northern California, they made uh, I guess his original name was Fong, and then Ben Fong Torres, like just kind of combine them two to sort of re-embrace his Chinese heritage. So oh, I thought that was uh, cool. kind of interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's that's so interesting. Wow. Yeah, when you hear, you know, you think of this stuff as being ancient history, you know, you hear things like the Chinese Exclusion Act or, you know, Japanese internment camps and these, and you think, oh my God, these horrible things that happened in yesteryear. It's like, nope, that's one generation in the past. That's yeah, not, right. not distant future at all, uh-huh. or distant past rather. Jeez, that is, that's really interesting. I actually, I've, I've kind of wondered about his name a little bit. So that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, now we are ending the phone conversation, but one one thing I just realized I don't know if we I don't know if we mentioned it last minute, uh, Casey, is is you know so in your production are you know you're having this phone call there and and what's that what's that like are you is is Ben actually on the stage or is it, is it piped in? Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Yeah, Ben is on the stage. Um, he's kind of off in his uh, a little um bubble of his own that's kind of represented through lighting you can see that he's in a different space than than i am and um he's there with uh god what's his name david felton yeah and um in the movie played by rain wilson yeah rain rain wilson right um in the show one one of the most annoyingly muggy performances (laughs) in film history by the way I, I, he's, I he's just, just getting prepared for be, playing Dwight. Shoot. Yeah, it's just too much. It is too much the way he has the cigarette holder and he's like nodding and those like like ugh, yeah. Oh, I love it. it. I love you're, it. I think oh, it's so hate cool. it. You're we get it. You're quirky. I I love him. I think he's so funny. I mean, uh-huh. he is funny. He's incredibly talented. I just think that that this that his role in Almost Famous is like it it it's it feels like it's from a different movie to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it feels like he's doing some sort of slapsticky sort of 
uh, kind of almost like naked gunny type performance or, you know, airplane type performance in this movie that is mostly realistic. But that's, again, like I said, I love this movie. I can insult every minute of it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's on stage with me and, and we just kind of talk through there. It's it's pretty cool. Now, uh, I'm sure I'm sure you've already covered this, Casey. I don't mean to uh, reiterate oh, okay. old stuff, but are how many of the songs, the Stillwater songs, are they are they in the musical? Are any of them actual? Just Fever Dog. Just Fever Dog. Okay. And are the rest of the songs original songs, or is it like a jukebox musical kind of thing? It's uh, it's half and half. Um, it's a little more original um, than than uh, jukebox but there's there are a lot of 70s um hits in there um some from the soundtrack um yeah something in there in the air was uh i believe in a workshop of it but Mm -hmm. um but we have um we have some other songs kind of in the feel of something in the air and uh like for example like uh we have we have tiny dancer which is from the soundtrack and then we have um uh, there's a couple more in there that are from the soundtrack of the movie, but then there's a few in there that are just not even in the soundtrack of the movie, but they're from the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, and then we get Polexia. We're finally finding out what she wanted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I want <laughs> cliffhanger. Some coffee. <laughs> what an interesting career Anna Paquin's had, like, you know, yeah. somebody who, you know, made such a massive splash in the piano and then kind of this movie sort of took place in those sort of middle years where people didn't really know what to do with her and then to you know have true blood kind of have be her vehicle for a thousand years however long that show ran but um but yeah i've always i've always liked her and i I was always happy to kind of see her have continued success and i wish that she had been in this movie more because i think she's great in it um, I was listening to the interviews. I don't know if you guys listened to that podcast uh, that um, was kind of like the 20 year anniversary and they interviewed oh, yeah. all the people from the movie um, just recently came mm-hmm. out. So I was listening to that and um, Patrick was talking about how, you know, obviously he originally had a crush on Kate and then, uh, and then he had a crush on um, Anna and then he had a, pa- a crush on uh, um, Feruza. And I, I was like, that's, that's so me that sounds like me like if I had been on that set if I had been on that set I I I mean of course you're gonna fall in love with Kate Hudson but but man Anna's Anna was his age you know Anna was his age yeah she was still in school and um and to have to have those kind of scenes those sort of romantic coming of age sexual scenes while you yourself are sexually coming of age had to be just like (laughs) the worst sort of sort of stress boners uh like like <laughs> he talked he talked about how he was, he was scared of that scene because he was like i need to wear a dancer's belt because i was worried worried about you know oh absolutely it was it was funny it was a, such a good interview yeah that is like the sweetest of all tortures i imagine <laughs> like this poor kid who's never been a movie before and now he's in front of like a hundred people you know sporting full wood and one of them has an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I do have a uh, episode title now for sure. Stress, stress, stress boners. boners. <laughs> yeah. Always looking. Yeah, Feruza Balk is another one. Like like she, I don't, I can't think of anything she's ever not been good in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I kind of, I kind of wonder. You know, I mean, you never know what where where people's lives are. I mean, you always, whenever somebody's been in movies and they stop being in a lot of movies, you always think like, what happened to so and so? It's like yeah, it's right. entirely possible that she moved on with her life and is interested in different things and et cetera and so forth. But in terms of pure talent, I mean, she's she's been great in everything. And so I, I would, I kind of hope that that she gets something to to really kick ass in again. Yeah, it looks like she's doing the show called Paradise City right now. It's a TV show, and then, uh, hmm. yeah, it it actually does look like she's she's been working every once in a while. It's like uh, about a project a year or yeah. project every couple of years. Um, but I'm sure you know she just had banger after banger in the beginning of her of her career. Yeah. She's she's living, man. She's living off that <laughs> those, those those checks coming in every those month. Sweet ass American History X royalty checks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and we also get the other uh, kind of continuation of something that was being said a good uh, uh, two minutes ago, or I, I would say now, um, that Greenville is so boring. Yeah, is is Greenville, North Carolina? Is that? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Because I think I, think I did a college gig once at UNC Greenville, and there were hay bales next to the stadium. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so they weren't lying. I don't know. That's pretty exciting, if you ask me. That's pretty yeah. cool. It was like a homecoming weekend kind of thing. So they might have been aesthetic hay bales, but it was like an outdoor show inside like a tent and they had like hay bales everywhere. And so I'm pretty sure that was Greenville, North Carolina. Hay bales used as aesthetic gives me like Footloose remake vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a high school production of Footloose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just take a couple hay bales up there. They'll get it. It's the country. You know, country folk put up a hay bale there. <laughs> yeah. Um William saying I never I've never written anything more than a few pages in my whole life is is so interesting because when I really think about you know essays or or anything I've written, you know, I've written screenplays which are really easy to get, a, you know, a lot of things out of, you know, you can get a lot of pages of screenplay out, but but really it's just, you know, pages of of an interview interviews and about this one band that you're traveling around with. And when you're also battling the internal um, issue of, of what can I tell them? What can I write down? And then versus um, you know, what, what are the guys going to like at Rolling Stone and what are the guys going to like in the band? So it's like when, when you really think about the two of those issues against each other, I mean, he's not really left with much, you know, like, He's not really met, left with a lot of material that can please both sides. So it's like, you know, when he's saying I've never written more than a few pages in my life, um, it, that's scary enough on its own, like writing a whole yeah. bunch of pages of, you know, so many thousands of words. That's scary enough. But then, you know, a, coupled with the fact that he just doesn't know what he's going to actually put on that on that paper. Well, yeah, and especially, you know, sometimes, you know, deadlines are brutal, obviously, but sometimes they're the thing that makes you sort of get essential with what you're trying to say, because without Mm -hmm. that deadline, everything is just vague and sort of in the in the ether. And sometimes like, oh, no, I have to have this done tomorrow. I just have to pick something and I can't really overthink it anymore. And I have to sort of pick a focus. And, you know, I wish I didn't work that way when I try to write things. If I don't have a deadline it probably isn't going to get done because I just, I spend too much time creating outlines and making notes and doing all these random things. And I need that sort of ticking clock. And, uh, you know, I think the movie sort of captures that, you know, pretty well. I can't imagine what it was like to get a deadline in the era before, you know, Microsoft word or, you know, where, where all of a sudden you're trying to write something from scratch on paper or on a typewriter. I can't even fathom that. Like think of how much, think of how much of writing now, is really sort of self-editing as you go. It's, I'm going to move this paragraph up here. Think about like getting three pages into an article and realizing that the, the, the most recent paragraph you wrote is how the piece should start. Well, now that's not really a big deal. You just move it up there. But back then it's like, what do you do? Am I going to start from scratch and type this whole motherfucker? Like from the, uh, you know, that does give me sort of agita when I think of what being a writer meant back then, uh, you know, and how, I mean, in many ways, I guess some of the tools we have now help procrastinate because you can kind of play with things until it becomes meaningless. But, but yeah, that, that scene of him sitting in the bathtub with like all the post-its and you know, that's just, that's a nightmare scenario to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey listener, are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org where you will find all the information you need to be ready for election day. Are you registered to vote at your current address? More than 60% of eligible voters have never been asked to register. Headcount.org is working to change that. Register to vote at headcount.org. Yeah. And, and, and and Sapphire does a great job at, uh, you know, and, you know, trying to give him the confidence. (laughs) Don't worry, baby. You will, you know, well, that's such a, that's such a great, like, uh, 
you know, it's it's like when my mom, like when your mom says like, <laughs> you should go on Jay Leno or something. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's such a, it's a piece of advice that's completely unhelpful. And it's like, you appreciate, you know, but it's, it's based on nothing. Oh, you'll do it, honey. It's like, okay, well, the thank re- you. The relationship <laughs> between these, these, them, which kind of actually goes down to the line, which we'll, you know, we'll yeah. probably get to in a little bit, but, but you know, you're right. It is so much like, like a mother, mother, son relate, which is weird. It's like their siblings or their, or their, their, her, his mothers. It's, it's funny because it's like, you've, we've all been in that situation where you, you know, you are close with, or you're intimate with someone and then they just act a little too comfortable with you. And you're like, wait, but didn't we just like, I mean, hate yeah, to where, say where's the mystique? Sex, like, <laughs> you're, you're supposed to think of me as sort of like an unknowable god, not we, like, <laughs> not like, oh, you're so, and you're like you're so sweet, honey. asking me to take out the laundry, and it's just like it's so it's so random because it's like you know th- this kid is thinking right now, he's like, wait, these people, these girls, think of me as you know a, a sex figure, or they they think of me as as something different and then they're like take out the laundry or they're saying don't worry you will baby or don't baby don't worry baby you will and it's um that's such it's such a well and it's it's clearly a confirmation that you didn't rock anyone's world i guess yeah right i guess that really (laughs) is yeah it really is like okay well i guess that i I inspire no intimidation at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, and this, what, what's happened here, this deflowering, I mean, it was totally in, in service of him. It was not, yeah, for them to get much out of. You yeah, know? as she says, this is like a thing to pass the time. Yeah. Yeah. And they have the satisfaction of knowing they took his, their virginity, which from what I understand was very important mm. to them. That was kind of their entire drive to do that. Well, you know, and a lot of things about this movie play differently in 2020 than they did in 2000 and certainly than they did in the era in which it's staged, you know, a lot of, a lot of that sort of like seventies rock band being on the road, fucking groupies type thing, you know, it strikes me as very different, you know, uh, I don't want to use a cliche, but post me too. Um, when you think that these are teenagers and how much, you know, uh, control or, did they really have over any of these situations and how much leverage do they have with these massive rock stars? And I love this movie, but it probably portrays them as being a little bit more cavalier and in control than they actually felt. If you were, you know, if you were to go back and sort of meet these girls at the time, I don't know that they would have felt quite so like, yeah, I fucked a guy last night. I'm going to fuck another guy. I mean, you know, th- that that can kind of hide a lot of uh, damage, shall we say. Um, you know, and I guess that's not what this movie is about. This movie's fun. But, you know, I, I was a huge Led Zeppelin fan growing up. And you, you read Hammer of the Gods, which is the sort of definitive Led Zeppelin biography. And it talks about all of these groupies. You know, uh, Lori Maddox, who was sort of a famous uh, Jimmy Page's girlfriend. Then you find out she was, you know, I think 14 when they hooked up. And you're like, have you met 14 year olds? (laughs) Like, do you really think that a 14 year old is going to exhibit that sort of that level of control and confidence in a sexual relationship with a 28 year old millionaire? Uh, You know, not to not to (laughs) bring everybody down, but, you you know, things play a little differently now. Like there's there's an anecdote in Hammer of the Gods, a famous one where. John Bonham and I think John Bonham and Robert Plant, like they have sex with a woman with a, um, a mud shark or a red snapper. Like they, they penetrate her with a fish and it's kind of stages like the road is so crazy and we got so bored that this is, these are the sort of fun games we started to do. And then Wait, th- what movie is this? It's in the, the a book called hammer of the gods, which is a, a famous uh, biography of Led Zeppelin. Um, wow. But yeah, if you look up um, Led Zeppelin Mud Shark or Led Zeppelin Red Snapper, you'll find uh, people, you'll find some writing about it. But then then I think to myself, like, what the hell was this poor girl going through yeah. at the time? Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be a bummer, but, you know, uh, the idea of sort of the groupies as being completely in control is to a degree a convenient lie we tell to ourselves because the truth of the situation is a little less clean Mm -hmm. you know um 
again, not to be a bummer. <laughs> that's that's sort of, that's sort of the way that uh, my thinking about these situations has changed in my uh, in my older years. Maybe it's because I'm in my 40s and theoretically one of these girls could be my daughter if I had kids. But mm. um, but yeah. It's, uh, anyway, so some of that sort of uh, some of the groupie scenes play a little different to me now than they probably did at the time. Yeah, and that's definitely how I addressed the two minutes ago, uh, you know, start of the you know, the flowering, the the you know, when they're actually, you know, forcing him <laughs> to leave Penny in the in the bathroom and and forcing him to sit down and doing all these forceful things until I mean, there's a, certainly the point where he does, you know, realize, yeah, he actually, you know, it's it's, you know, he wants to, it to be with Penny, of course, of course, yeah. Well, I'm sure Cameron Crowe experienced it that way. He was a teenager at the time. I'm sure he experienced mm-hmm. it as being like a really fun, silly, goofy situation. But, uh, but anyway, you know, I'm not. Again, it's uh, it's just, it's just yeah. as times change, some of the some of these scenes I, I I see differently than I did at the time. Definitely, yeah. Um, I Penny Trumbull, who Penny mm-hmm. Lane is partially based on, um, came to the um the musical and I got to talk to her a little bit and um, it's kind of interesting because I, you know, I, I'm not a bandaid. So I didn't, I didn't ask uh, a lot of questions about the band-aids themselves. I was obviously asking Cameron most questions about William and, and him and, and stuff like that. So I'd be very interested to have this conversation with the girls who actually played the band-aids because they, they know way more about it than I do. Mm-hmm. But um, just from my few conversations with Penny, it was very interesting because it seemed it seems very very close to to how it was represented in the film. Um, and 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 that's not to say that what you're saying isn't isn't you know r- right. Um, but it's it did did definitely seem that these girls, whether or not they were in control, they felt they felt very very much. They didn't feel uh, exploited or, or anything. Yeah. You know, no, like no, that. they didn't. And it was because that, you know, that whole dialogue at the beginning where they're like, they're saying, we're not just sex objects. We are, um, we are the inspiration for the music. We might have sex with them, but it's like, that's not why we're here, which is, you know, it, what, and it's kind of tongue in cheek because there is a joke in there. It's like, we don't have sex with them, just blowjobs. Which is, you know, a funny line. <laughs> yeah. It's a great line, but it's like, okay, like it's like pretty obvious in that line that it's like, yeah, they do have sex with them, but they don't. At least in their minds, yeah. they're not there for that. Sure, you know? sure. And at I don't least- mean to pretend that 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 you can place a contemporary uh, filter on every uh, movie that was either produced in the past or is set in the past. I mean, things have their own separate reality. I mean, it. It was different then because I don't think it necessarily would have occurred to uh, teenage girls or certainly not to the rock stars that there was anything really untoward about this. I mean, you you hear, you know, my, my wife and I both kind of grew up listening to hair metal. And so when we're in the car, we drove home from uh, we drove a, a, about three hours today and we were listening to the, the Sirius XM hair metal station. And so many of the songs involve like fucking teenage girls and it's treated as kind of like a right, right guys. Like, isn't this what every dude wants to do? And in the only negative aspect of having sex with teenage girl is like, will you get caught? And do you know how old she is? Not like, like, Oh my God, she's how old? Like there's, it's like a consistent theme and like Bon Jovi songs and obviously a lot of Van Halen songs and things like that. And nobody at the time thought like, oh, I'm a I'm a scumbag. I'm a statutory rapist. Like they were existing within that sort of social context. Uh-huh. And so it's like I'm not trying to say that like all the girls that, you know, were quote unquote band-aids or groupies or whatever title you want to use were were secretly exploited and now we're kind of making up the fact that they were enjoying it. But it's just like it's impossible for me as a person living in 2020 to watch these scenes and not sort of see those power dynamics in a way that I didn't, you know, when I, when I was younger and I thought like, man, life on the road looks awesome. Right. Yeah. 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 There is really definitely a, a beautiful sadness, which is, you know, I, it's interesting that you say people kind of, kind of clown on, on Cameron for the whole, the whole, uh, 
happy sad thing which i think is is actually i mean i i haven't heard anyone clown on it. i've only heard people say that's why they love his movies you know mm-hmm. the 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 beautiful sadness to it and that's what this whole movie really is just this because someone asked me and I, I i don't know about you but i i get really annoyed when you when actors are asked on talk shows to describe the movie they're in or the musical they're in and they always start with their character they all you you will you'll see it nowadays you'll just they'll be like okay so what's the movie about and they'll be like well my character does this and you're and it just always starts with their character and for some reason that's always gotten under my skin so someone asked me what almost famous is about and I gave a horrible answer because trying to describe what almost famous is about without mentioning William is, is, is virtually impossible. But, (laughs) um, I, I tried to give a description and it was more along the lines of the beautiful sadness of, of these guys life on tour on Uh in the seventies, you know, the seventies, you, you see all these documentaries come out about rock stars in the seventies and, 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 and groupies and band-aids from the 70s and it's just they were there the the drugs had no consequences the the sex had no consequences these were all things that just had no consequences so everyone looks back at the 70s that was in that scene with these rose-colored glasses because sure. the the problems didn't happen till later you know yeah, the yeah. heartbreak and the and the the illnesses and all of that didn't start happening till, till and it was kind 80s. of before Coke totally took over. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was yeah, still and everyone of... was doing Coke. It's just <laughs> no one really. I mean, it's like people knew it was bad, but it was like the consequences came later. Yeah, it wasn't like a like it was still it was still half in the weed culture, and only it started to dip into Coke and heroin <laughs> later. It just right. became, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. So I so I I think I totally understand what you're saying, Christian. It's it's. You know, it's just, it's, it, it's shown to be this beautiful moment and this beautiful thing between them. And, and right. you kind of do look at them and you're like, you, you know, especially the first time you watch it when you're young, you're like, wow, like, oh, like that's, they have a cute little relationship, cute little dynamic, you know? Well, I mean, this and, minute particularly, I mean, the, you know, the, the, them having sex with William is like a genuinely sweet moment because it is teenagers having sex with teenagers <laughs> you know there there are no real power dynamics at play or anything mm-hmm. like that um you know it's it's later in the minute when uh you know when he's taking out the laundry and he yeah. passes by the door with is a uh, beth from denver is that her name yep. the character? oh yeah uh you know and she's in uh the manager noah taylor i can't remember the character's name but uh the character yeah. Noah taylor but yeah that 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 to me is a little bit more like oh yeah and it's all scummy. <laughs> <laughs> That's where she went. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I you know William William back to, back to him his mind being on Russell, but immediately Sapphire says, "Will you take the laundry?" and and then he has this great line, and I and I feel like I, this is one I've 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 at least thought in my head. I don't know if I've said it out loud. <laughs> very well but you know what am i to you yeah <laughs> well it, you know and again and i hate to feel like i'm wow. I'm constantly saying things that sound negative because it's not a negative in my mind but to me william uh is it william fujit patrick fujit rather um this is one of the all-time great bad performances in movie history <laughs> like because yeah. he's clearly an amateur like he's not he's not a full-fledged actor yet you know he's Mm -hmm. you can tell he's not doesn't have a lot of experience but that totally completely works with the character and so when he sort of puts a big show of getting angry on he looks like a guy pretending to be more angry than he actually is which completely works because that is exactly how a teenager would deal with the situation like i feel like i should get upset right now like what Mm -hmm. am i to you you know it's it's uh (laughs) it's it feels like a kid performing in a high school play uh, which completely works for this character. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love that scene for that reason. Because obviously, as we see in the next scene, as you already were pointing out, that you know they 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 come back with something and get him to actually do it. You know, yeah. whereas you know, I mean, gosh, you know, I mean, that, based on a, what he said, you know, that wasn't going to happen. Well, that's such a classic, you know, yeah. comedy yeah. Uh, device is to be like. I would never go to that store. Cut to him walking into that store. <laughs> you know, that's the, um, but yeah, it's a lot of laundry they had. I will say. <laughs> Rolling down highway. 
Um, th- so this is just before before we I think wrap up pretty soon. Um, uh, so this is what I was talking about before a deleted scene. So and it's not even a scene. It's 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 a, it's a cut, <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 it's actually uh, the 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 little bit of ADR that's happened that must be happening here, or at least it was copied around and moved around a bit. You can actually hear the uh, hear the uh, the bellboy, you know, uh, with his line. Um, what is that? Uh, uh, excuse me, sir. Would you mind signing for this? You know that mm-hmm. um, that that happens just a you know essentially at the same time, and that but the rest is the rest of the video is shifted because they cut in a a, a quick shot to uh, a previous door in the hallway. William peeking in and seeing Jeff. Uh, strumming the guitar just a little bit just i mean for the briefest of a second mm-hmm. and uh so so that line does get uh or actually ends up being i think roughly in the same place and then but then the video after it shifting down a little bit so um but yeah like you said you know it's it's dick's room that he comes to next with uh beth from denver and that's that's olivia rosewood by the way too i think you did say noah holly uh, which, no, which, Noah Taylor which, is that the actor. Noah Taylor, that's right. Yeah, Noah Taylor. Yeah. I, I did that before, man. Noah Hawley's the Once Fargo before. guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm so excited for the <laughs> new season coming up here. Um, yeah, I'll add it to the eight. I mean, uh, I love Fargo, but it's just like, yeah. I, I don't know if I ha- have mental bandwidth for more shows right now. Yeah. Yeah, it is I mean, I, And I, I will absolutely watch mm-hmm. it the second it comes yeah. out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the idea that uh, Beth uh, did move, move down... The, hall, the hallway or two <laughs> get get over to Dick's room at some point during the night after this. Uh, yeah, it's like the the the, the frivolous fun of deflowering yeah. a teenage boy is now out of the way, and now it's time to get back to the agenda. <laughs> just... Um, was there anything? I think I'm I'm done. You know, I, think, I mean, it's... I think we're at the end of the minute. Yeah, William with his crazy bags of laundry there. Struggling a bit, and we'll see more of that next minute, that's for sure. But uh, first, uh, I think we want uh, from from you, uh, uh, Christian, um, the four bands that are most commonly make make up uh, are believed to make up uh, Stillwater. Mm-hmm. If you could rank them from least favorite or to favorite, or vice versa, whichever okay. way, just let us know what that is. But then uh, I'll tell you the four now, and I and you, you declined. Uh, it seemed like you declined, and we didn't get around to it at least. Um, so the four bands are uh, Almond Brothers Band, Eagles, Led Zeppelin, and Leonard Skinner. Well, um, I mean, I can put the I can put Led Zeppelin tops. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, in terms of you know, it sounds weird. the The next band for me, hmm, it depends whether I want to say whether I think they're good or whether I like them. If that makes sense, <laughs> I grew up. My dad loved the Eagles, uh, loved them in every car ride growing up. Eagles Grace Hits Volume One and Volume Two mm-hmm. played, and so I know the, these. I know those songs on a cellular level. Uh, like I know every drum fill, every guitar riff, to the extent where I'm not even entirely sure if I like them or not. I just know them. Um, but I'm going to put the Eagles next just because I do there are, there are, it's hard because have you, have you guys seen the, the story of the Eagles, the like three hour documentary that was made a few years ago? I have not. Oh my God. It's, it's hilarious because they really come across as the least likable people (laughs) in the world, specifically Glenn Fry. And I grew up assuming Glenn Fry was like the nice guy. Like I always knew, I always knew Don Henley was a bit of a prickly fella. Um, That was sort of the vibe he gave off. But Glenn Fry was kind of a jerk. He was like a total jerk to Don Felder and some of the other members of the band. But um, it really, you know, the the sort of megalomania of the Eagles, uh, it really comes through. But there's probably eight or nine Eagle songs that I just absolutely love. Like, I love Take It to the Limit. I love New Kid in Town. I love I Can't Tell You Why. You know, there's a bunch of songs of theirs that I like. So I have to put them number two. Um, and then between Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner, I will admit neither of whom I am totally crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I think I would put Almond Brothers third because I do like. Is it Lucille? Is that the one that plays in uh, in Almost Famous? 
you know that one that instrumental song i think i don't know i do like that song and i know it primarily because it was in guitar hero um but that's funny (laughs) and leonard skinnerd i you know i get it i get that they're a big deal it just never it was never my thing Freebird, if it was one third as long i would probably enjoy it um and i probably am projecting a lot of I, I kind of always assumed that Leonard Skinner was always the sort of right wing band for sort of racists and, and yeah. shit kickers, right. which is not the case. I, I mm-hmm. only found this out recently. Like they came out for like gun control during the Carter administration. Like I, I don't remember they like appeared with Jimmy Carter to like try to ban handguns. Uh, so they weren't always like that. I think it was only once uh, Ronnie Van Sant. Is it Ronnie who died or Johnny who died? One of them, mm, the main true. dude, I think is Ronnie who died. But um, I think it was only later when they got old that they kind of became the sort of a uh, MAGA band of classic rock. Uh, so, yeah, I would go Zeppelin, Eagles, Almond Brothers, Skinnerd. Uh-huh. And, and in my, in my uh, master music list for the music appearing in the, in the movie, um, uh, for Almond Brothers, only one way out. Okay, one way. Okay, yeah. I knew yeah. it was. I knew it was yeah. a, an almond. Bro- I I even can see the scene in my head. I just couldn't remember which song it was. Yeah. Yeah, they they do have. I I I, I couldn't have told you that Lucille was one of their songs, but there are two other uh, girls' names songs. Uh, uh, Sweet Melissa and oh wait, no wait, is that Leonard? Ooh, uh, and Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, I, honestly, I think. Yeah, I, I, I can get between the two. I, I kind of go back and forth and get some stuff confused. Sometimes. Yeah, I hope there's no fact checkers listening because yeah. I may be completely wrong about the titles of, of these songs. But, yeah. that, but that, that's the one Almond Brothers song that if it was playing on the radio, I would like not turn. <laughs> Whipping Post, no, too overwrought. Uh, what about yeah. Simple Man? Yeah, that, that and that's the one Leonard Skinner song that's on. It's in them. Oh, it's in is the it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there are no Eagles, Eagles songs in the movie. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that even even then, even back in 2000, sort of the, the cultural opinion had turned against the Eagles pretty yeah. hardcore. And I don't think that, uh, I don't think that, that Cameron Crowe would have probably put an Eagles song in because I think that he wanted it to feel. I think it would have been a, like something that that music people bumped on because I think a lot yeah. of music people in the industry mm-hmm. were not fans of the Eagles, probably because of who they were as people more than the music itself. Um, and so I think that he wanted it to feel really like fun and nostalgic for music fans. And I think if he had put an Eagles song in there, they would have been like, "Fuck the Eagles," you know. And I think a lot of that is the fault of Big Lebowski as well. Yeah, it's <laughs> an interesting uh, thought. Yeah. Like to know more about, about that. Why why the Eagles aren't in there? I'm sure there's an answer or an interview somewhere out there. But. Well, and there are also the other you know the other uh, bands that are kind of somewhat considered the one the one that he Cameron Crow I've heard say the most besides those four is Poco. And, Interesting. Uh, huh. And other people have thrown out you know that I've, I've you know mostly actually just people I actually am friends with you know just bumping into and saying i'm doing this podcast <laughs> and then mel mentioned that this this crazy fact about these four bands and they go well is it isn't one of them three dog night or isn't one of them deep purple you know credence clearwater yeah. maybe yeah. i don't know yeah yeah someone's mentioned that before yeah that's, i guess credence would have been a little before this like yeah. more late 60s but yeah, I think all the major. I think the the reason it's definitely based on the four that you you've said is that mm-hmm. I think I think they're like in the dialogue. There's definitely like inspiration. I mean, I've I've heard of Deep Purple personally, um, inspiration in there, but uh, I think the actual literal scenes because every every scene in this this movie actually happened. Like actually, these every single scene is is mm-hmm. actually something that you know, he actually lived. And I think the reason it's those four bands is because they're those, the scenes in the movie are really actually based on events that happened with those four bands, not just like, you know, kind of inspiration. It's like really based off the real scenes that happened with those bands. And and for, in some cases, it's just the matter of like just one member of the band, you know, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, especially like, for the Allman Brothers, and and uh, I often get confused between <laughs> Greg and Dwayne. <laughs> Which, yeah. which which one died you know way back then and then yeah, unfortunately yeah. The, Dwayne, the other Dwayne one died passed yeah yep. wait did Dwayne die first yeah. or last I, I forgot think, yeah I think he did I'm so bad first <laughs> I just know that there's a there's a joke about um bummed Dwayne out before he died is that in the movie that doesn't sound familiar oh well there it is I just hmm. spoiled the show Nah. <laughs> to quote to quote another great band, "Whoop, there it is." <laughs> <laughs> I remember I'm an old man, and I remember I had just moved to New York City in the early '90s to go to college, and I was walking outside of Tower Records on Broadway and Fourth Street, uh, and uh, Tag Team, which was the band that did "Whoop, there it is." Uh, it was when that song was popular. And they were doing some sort of promo shoot and they were all standing there and there was like the most classic cliche record company douchebag looking guy, <laughs> like like guy with like a high, very high ponytail, you know, that was like way too short to be a ponytail, but it pulled it back and just the squarest, dorkiest looking dude in the world. And I remember him saying to everybody, uh, all right, party people, uh, I'd like to get a whoop there it is started. <laughs> And uh, I'll always rest in my head in awkward white guy history. <laughs> ah, that's great. Um, so, uh, Christian, why don't you why don't you just take us into uh, some plugs? You know what? Plugs. How, how can people find you? People can find me on ye old Twitter machine at Christ Finnegan, C H R I S T F I N N E G A N. Um, I have four albums on iTunes and a couple specials that you can uh, find online. My latest album is called 60% Joking. I am in the process of editing a new, a new special that I recorded in the middle of COVID in a tiny socially distanced backyard with not, uh, not a tiny backyard, but a tiny audience of 28 in a, in a backyard um, and that will hopefully be something that is released sometime towards the end of 2020. I hope, I don't know exactly know what the schedule is for that, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best way to find me is probably on Twitter. I, I don't do Facebook or Instagram cause I, it's just too much for me. It's too much. Um, but yeah, yeah. So with that backyard thing, you'll actually, will actually hear some, some laughing versus the horn hawking that I've been hearing so much about. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yes. To do the. <laughs> yeah, luckily it's since it's in a backyard. There's there there is one there is one very audible siren that goes off Ugh. at one point in the show. Um but I just, you know, I I I just called it the hilarity police. Um <laughs> but yeah, but you can find my stuff online. Um don't bother going to my website. No nobody cares about websites anymore and I haven't updated it since 1933. Um but yeah, the best best way to find me is probably on Twitter. That's great. That's, that's definitely some stuff I'm going to actually look out for now and can't wait. Um, then, uh, Casey, how can people find you? Um, what are you, you up can, to? You can find me at just Casey likes. Uh, it's, uh, in the, it just is in the, is in the name. So, um, at J U S T, you know, Casey likes. And, uh, and right now I'm just kind of, kind of, traveling working on some of my own stuff uh some other stuff and uh i'm trying to make some some short films so if you guys want some uh indie stupid children short films uh and when i say children short films it means i'm i'm like two years old and i'm making it so uh (laughs) don't expect much but i'm i am doing that so yeah check me out on instagram twitter pretty much every single social media um uh and i guess what you said you don't do facebook christian i i mean i have a facebook account but i i i, I hate it with a passion i tried I, to cancel I, it and it wouldn't let me <laughs> i think i love it because i think that's where honestly most of my support comes from i think you just find you know i i, I call them the facebook moms <laughs> the mom, yeah. like of your your mom's friends and yeah, then that's i guess what i'm terrified of that's probably why i avoid it it's like i don't really want to <laughs> hear my uncle get mad because i used the lord's name in vain 
<laughs> oh, okay. That's actually that is a very accurate argument. Yeah. Well, in that case, guys can find me on Facebook. I'm just kidding. Um, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you both so much. You've done a great job, uh, Casey. Hopefully, like I said, uh, in the next couple of minutes, I uh, should show back up. And uh, Christian, further down the line, I do have you know, definitely pegged in for one more. Very, very close to the end uh, of the movie. I very exciting. Can, since since Eric, you're a big fan. Fired? What's am I that? Fired? Am I getting fired from my co-host position after this? <laughs> uh, after the next two, your 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 you know your contract I'm clearly states general. the four <laughs> four episodes. I'm not even demoted after the next two. I'm just fired in general. Yes. The cut the clock is ticking. Okay, great. <laughs> I'll have to make these next two count then. All right, dudes. Yeah, thanks so much. And until next time, Minute 70 next week. Until then, it's all happening. It's all happening. It's all happening. I am a golden god! it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.